Hi, I'm Wendy Harrington, and today I'm sharing my near-death experience that happened in 2001. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But I want to start two years before that, because what I find fascinating, one of the things I find fascinating is that that the illness that I had that led to the near-death experience was there two years before it manifested. And what happened was I was married with two small children and I had met and fallen in love with somebody else. And I wanted to know what should I do? And I was so confused. And a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you go and see this amazing tarot card reader? I didn't know anything about that kind of thing back then, but I went along hoping that she would tell me what to do, which of course she didn't. But what she did say at one point was she pointed at my lower abdomen and she said, you've got a dark area there it's mother issues and if you don't sort it out you'll be ill and it went right over my head I didn't know anything then about healing or the fact that we were energy vibration or anything like that and I completely dismissed it fast forward two years later where I had to have an emergency cesarean with the birth of my third daughter and she was eight weeks premature and then I ended up contracting necrotizing fasciitis more commonly known as the flesh-eating bug So that got into my womb and ovaries started there, but spread up over my torso. And I ended up losing about womb ovaries and about two thirds of the flesh on my torso. And they have no choice but to literally remove the diseased flesh and hope that they have it all. I also then had septicemia and then basically ended up on life support, was put into a medical coma, medically sedated. Yeah, was on kidney machine, respirator, you know, the whole works. And Somewhere during that period, I was medically sedated for 10 days. I had the most beautiful near-death experience. And the experience was I was suddenly aware that I was out of my body. And I remember it really well because my first thought was, oh, well, I'm not my body then. I think before that, I'd always been a little bit, you know, we're born, we die, we're dust, that's it. Don't have a religious upbringing, even though I kind of went to a Church of England school, but parents weren't religious or anything like that. And so it was just this most amazing kind of experience. And it was really vivid. Wow, I'm not my body. And then there was just this momentum of floating into, it felt like floating forwards into this most phenomenal light words will never do it justice the love the peace just simply divine and i wanted just wanted to go i had no thought for this world i had no thought of my physical self i had no thought that i just had a baby there was nothing like that i was just happy going into this light and i could see these forms beginning to take shape ahead of me when all of a sudden i felt a tug on my arm and i looked back and it was my husband And I tried to pull him because I just really wanted to go and I wanted him to come with me and he would not budge. And I kind of jolted to a stop. And then I heard telepathically, if you come, you must come on your own. And I didn't want to leave him. And so that momentum immediately decided with that decision. And I came back into my body. When I was woken up from the sedation, 
the things I found out were that my mum and my husband had been physically holding my hand virtually the whole time that I was medically sedated. And that's always made, always made me wonder, did they, you know, would I have gone had they not been holding my hand? So that experience was unlike anything else. It was so vivid. It has stayed with me, you know, for all these years. It remains with me. And the next thing that happened was I came home after three months. Not long after I'd been home, it felt like I got woken up in the early hours of the morning. It was about five o'clock. I was wide awake and I just had a sentence in repeat on my mind. And it was just repeating itself over and over and over. In the end, I got up and I thought, I oh, will just get up and write it down. And as I wrote it down, I heard the next sentence and the next sentence. And I wrote this piece of writing and it was like taking dictation. It was like someone was giving it to me. Sadly, I don't have that piece of writing anymore. But fundamentally what it said was, there is love and fear and everything else is in between. And that as humans, it's really important that you choose love in order to have a different experience. And there was lots of other amazing information in there just pointing out, you know, you as humans do this and you hurt yourselves and you do this and you hurt yourselves. And it just made so much sense. And then there was a moment where I was writing and writing and I was just, you know, like, yes, 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 yes. And all of a sudden from the pen flew, all is perfect in God's plan. And that stopped me for a moment because at that point I didn't believe in God and I certainly didn't believe it had a plan, but everything else was so on point and so true and resounding so deeply in my heart and soul. You know, that sentence also stayed with me because it was coming from the same place. And what I took from that was I decided to be as loving as I could and to function from a place of love. That was the decision. It's important that you choose love to create instead of fear. That's my interpretation at the moment. I love this continual journey that we are all on and also that lots of other experiences that have happened over the years. So another one, not that long, but maybe a year or two after I'd come home from hospital, I started doing a psychology degree. I was really curious about this near-death experience. What was it, you know? And one of the psychological theories is that a near-death experience is just something that happens in the brain at that point. And I started to doubt the validity of it. You know, maybe it was just something that happened in the brain. Also that I knew that I was on a cocktail of drugs at that point and had that done something, you know, to my perception. And then I started studying some Tai Chi and we were asked to just eat our lunch in silence and then to do this exercise with a treat. So I ate my lunch and the funniest thing was, it was the first time for me that I had been asked to be silent. So as in not talk, not chat. And what I realized was how difficult that was. And actually when I stopped talking and I brought my awareness of myself inside, just how noisy it was in there, all of the thoughts and the just loud, really, really loud. And that was kind of interesting. And I had my lunch and I kind of got quieter. And then I got up and I found a tree and the exercise was to just to move your hands backwards and forwards. And so I closed my eyes and I began to move my hands backwards and forwards. And all of a sudden I just lost all sense of my separate body. It was that same pure, unconditional love. And I knew that everything came from there and everything returned there. It was crystal clear. 
And then the thought arose in my mind, like, peace and love, man. I thought about the hippies and I kind of went like, dunk, um, back into my body. But it was so real and it was, it made me laugh. It was almost like, hey, we'll show you again. You know, this is real. And I think from that, what I really feel is like this love is available to all of us right now. It's not something that happens, you know, we just happen to get when we die. Um, we don't have to nearly die either in order to access it. it. It's right here, right now. And it feels like the work to do, like what's changed for me so much has been really seeing those parts of myself where I block the presence of that love and undoing those things and dissolving those things and thinking differently in order to experience more and more of that love in my day-to-day -day life. But it's tough sometimes. And as we're unraveling ourselves and letting go of the conditioning, the experiences. I had a year, some years ago now, but I had a year that was really tough for me. And I really kind of fell into this place of shame and guilt. One of the things I've learned so much actually is the power that the, our emotions have in order to allow us to find more peace and align with that greater part of ourselves. So it's like the emotions are our emotional, it's like a guidance system for us. And when we don't feel peaceful and we don't feel joyful, it's because we have some kind of misperception, some false idea. And the emotions are not always easy for us, are they? We're not being taught to flow with them, to process them. Often we talk to suppress them, don't show that one, this one's okay. They feel different in the body, don't they? And those ones that don't feel good, we also have a tendency to kind of suppress. And so there's been lots of learning around that. I had an amazing time where I went to India and had the pleasure of doing learning emotional processing. And that was just so powerful. And it was all about just being with what is. So total acceptance of what is, non-resistance, no judgment. One of the greatest gifts I think is when you can come with a curiosity and a lightness to yourself because we're pretty crazy <laughs> we're pretty crazy inside ourselves and the things we've been conditioned with one of the things which always highlights that for me was I have some very graphic photos of when I had first been ill because basically what happened was the surgeons took me in they removed the flesh took a photograph and then they showed my immediate family, so my husband and my mum, they said, look, this is what we've done. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like for them. But they said, you need to see it because as she gets better, she's going to look to you and you need to be, you know, seeing it so that you can share and see the improvements so that, you know, that can help Wendy to embrace it as well. Now, there's one picture, I didn't see those ones for a long time, but I did see another one, and that one has what they call a vac dressing. So what they did was they removed the flesh, and one of the first things they did was they did a big vac dressing. So it's like a black kind of sponge, and then and they wrap it, and then that sucks away the toxins. So the image that I saw was of my body, kind of top of my thighs up to sort of here, and this whole area vac. And the very first thought I had when I saw it was, oh, look at the size of my thighs. And I watched that thought and I thought, my gosh, aren't we insane? Like one of the things I'm really passionate about actually is body image. And like, I love this body so much now. <laughs> 
and I didn't used to. And one of the things that I had always had an issue about was the size of my thighs and they should be smaller and etc. And it just struck me as absolutely insane as I looked at that image, like that that was the first thing I saw. Not like, oh my God, look, I've two thirds of the flesh on my torso is gone. Uh, you know, isn't it an absolute miracle that I have survived and lived? No, no, it's look at the size of my thighs. Just insane, isn't it? So I think there is so much in us and all of that kind of thinking blocks our experience of the presence of that love which is there right now. And we are loved so, so, so much. As I was saying, there was a year that was really tough for me and I just went into yeah, guilt and shame and self-hatred. It was a really, really tough year. But I reached this point where I just felt so terrible about myself. I couldn't imagine ever feeling any better. And all of a sudden, my 10-year-old daughter, who was at that point at my mum's in Bristol, and I was up in Scotland, she suddenly appeared in my mind and she said, you have to forgive yourself, mummy. And I kind of said back telepathically, but I don't know how. And she said, see yourself how I see you. See yourself with my eyes. And in that moment, I felt so much love. And I know that that is the love of God this pure love source, the universe, whatever you want to call it, and completely non-denominational. And I knew that that was the love of source, God, the universe, whatever word you choose to use, that incredible presence, that love. And the thing that came to mind was like, wow, I could kill everyone on the planet and I'd still be loved. And I think what that was just showing me was there is nothing so bad that we can do, that means that we are not loved. Like everything is forgiven. And so one of the key practices, which is so helpful is forgiveness. In forgiving of ourselves and forgiving of the world is always instant peace. Like we are so, so powerful and we can realize that now and we can experience peace and joy and bliss right now. We don't have to go anywhere. It's not when we die. It's now. So to conclude, what I would like to say is you have access to this amazing loving presence right now. And to do the inner work to find your way to that place, I think the key things for me are non-judgment, which is such an amazing one, isn't it? Because have you ever watched your own mind? <laughs> you ever watched your own mind i spent a long period of time where i was just watching my thinking and i think it's about moving the intellectual concepts into a lived experience because i think there are a lot of spiritual concepts which many of us know and because we know them intellectually we think we know them but there's a deeper level of knowing that arises and so to know that you are not your body, you are not your emotions, you are not your mind, you exist beyond all of that. And to open yourself up to that, that you can start to witness the things that are arising without giving them all the meaning that you have. Everything has the meaning that I have given to it. And when you really grasp that, it means that you start to release the grip on the meanings that you've given to things that in order that you can actually see the reality of them. Because I think when we choose to be loving, 
and we're choosing forgiveness as forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others, and that we get the choice when we start to see that there are two aspects of self. For me, I experienced two aspects of self. I experienced what I would call my little self, my egoic self, the personality self, the bit that's trying to get love, doesn't feel good enough, nothing's ever enough, <laughs> unworthy, needy, insecure, all of those things. I experienced that. And then I also experienced this part of me that feels like it is just witnessing what's arising. And then that experience is peaceful, blissful, joyful, non-judgmental, loving of all things. And I think it's the choice that we get to make that choice for that aspect of yourself. And I think my experience has been, and I don't think I'm alone in this, I think it's very common for us as humans, is we are so attached to the personality self, to the idea that we're a physical being. And that's part of what keeps us having a limited experience of ourselves and, and suffering. When you feel amazing is when you are in alignment with the truth of your being, the true you, the real you, the you that is just pure love. And that's what we all are. And I will leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to my story.